the most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. Reaching the right users at the right time is crucial for any successful marketing campaign, and app marketing is no exception. Through keyword and market insights, searchads.com can help your Apple search ads campaign to find the most valuable prospects and convert them into users in the most effective way possible. Advanced automation tools can take care of the busy work so you can focus on the things that really matter. Go to searchads.com to start your free trial today. That, once again, is searchads.com. Check ASO is an analytical ASO platform that provides you with up-to-date data on keywords, competitors, ratings, and reviews. It also grades your ASO level and gives you custom tips on how to improve it. This way, you can increase your app page visibility, organic traffic, and installs with every update. Try it now for free for seven days at checkaso.io. That once again is checkaso.io. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve Young, founder of AppMasters.com, the place you go when you want action-packed content related to helping you grow, grow your app downloads and your revenues. I say so often, I try to just speed through it, but I should probably slow it down. And this is the podcast where I talk to some amazing app founders to really understand how they were able to achieve their success. And it's a big circle. So hopefully, if you're in the audience right now and you've been listening, come on, let's share some knowledge together. Today, I've got a phenomenal guest. I heard him on the Business of Apps podcast, and I was like, dude, this guy has to come on. We're going to talk all about product market fit, how he's been able to sustain building the app in college, how he's been able to sustain the app, and then eventually get to over 7 million active users on his app. The app is called Rap Chat. It's going to help you easily make music. They got thousands of beats in there. Like I said, millions of users. So without further ado, let me welcome Seth Miller, who is the founder and CEO at RapChat. Seth, welcome to the show, brother. What's going on, man? Thanks for having me. I'm not going to repeat a lot of those things. I'm going to link up that Business <laughs> of Apps podcast so you guys can check it out All too. Right. But Seth, what I really want to talk about from the very start was, you know, I've worked with a few people who are in college who are building apps too and trying to make it, and maybe they've raised some money. How does it go from college? What are you doing to sustain yourself from a revenue standpoint, right? Like you have to live to ultimately getting to this particular point seven years later. Yeah, I mean, it's been a, a wild journey and every bit of a, of a roller coaster, lots of up and ups and downs. But um, I mean, I think... So, so we're in year one of launching subscriptions. So making money <laughs> and generating revenue is a little new for us. So obviously before that, it was uh, a little more of a grind to, to stay alive and, and survive in advance. Um, but I think, you know, right out the gate, one of the things was uh, I quit my full-time job after college that I was at for like six months and taught myself how to code. So I could like, you know, survive on my own kind of like whatever ramen salary and code and make updates and then scale the user base. And then that kind of got us to a point where, you know, it was clear we we're onto some, it was clear the opportunity was huge. And we were able to get into 500 startups uh, a year after that. So um, I think really like by then, or were you just still on your own? 
when you got yeah no I, I i had a co-founder i had people helping me okay. um here and there nights and weekends um but like teach myself how to code was definitely like you know i couldn't afford engineers that was basically like what i figured out and we you know we hacked together a beta with a, a bunch of people and we were live on the app store with like a really kind of shitty beta product but uh once i quit quit my job and made some updates uh, and saw a lot of people around the world, like making songs and sharing songs. Um, we had enough traction to get into 500, which really kind of kickstarted what I'd say, like, you know, the official rap chat journey. Um, so packed up my bags, went out West. Um, you know, we got a little bit of investment by getting into that accelerator, but um, you know, really learned everything, the ins and outs of, startups and Silicon Valley and like fundraising and, and all that. And so I think just fast forwarding, uh, we were able to raise a, a seed round of funding after 500. Um, so that obviously helped us, uh, you know, get runway, hire some more people, invest in the product. And then last year uh, and earlier this year, we announced uh, the second round of funding that, you know, we had Sony Music and uh, some other really great investors come in. Um, that continued to, yeah, just, just help us, you know, invest in the team and product. And now that we're generating revenue from subscriptions and, uh, plan to continue to, to scale the business. Um, it, it's a, it's a lot more stable, uh, <laughs> now and, and a little easier to breathe, but, but yeah, by no means, it's just been like, you know, a lot of gritty survival, uh, definitely months without paychecks, if not years in the early days, um, and just kind of doing anything we can to keep going. Cause, uh, we really believe it's like a billion dollar opportunity. And, uh, I think we're leading the charge, uh, kind of for the everyday artist and bringing the next hundred million artists online. Like that's, that's our thing. And, um, you just got to keep, yeah, you just got to keep rolling and do whatever it takes. I want to get into what is enough traction to get into 500 startups. But I remember my first year in business, I was like, you know, generating okay money, actually made less than I made when I quit my job that I was running growth for a startup in San Francisco and made more than I did my first year on my own. But I went back to my old boss and I was like, hey, you got any work? You need help with anything. And it took a lot. Like I had to swallow my pride, you know, like almost admit that maybe I wasn't surviving on my own. He gave me a project that I got to work on and that helped a little bit. Do you remember like some of the things where you're like, man, I just got a, that grinding moment, you know? <laughs> I remember selling like four Bitcoin at 250 bucks a pop and uh, cashing out my 401k after, after working at Progressive and, and doing things like that for sure. I also remember, um, you know, in the couple years leading up to closing the seed round, uh, having to, like you said, like just do some freelance projects, uh, and kind of hustle around, um, because yeah, we rap chat, like we spent the early years really perfecting the product and growing the community. Um, and we knew monetization was a little further down the line. So yeah, it was pretty much whatever, whatever it took. I mean, like lots of people helped us out along the way. I'm, I'm so thankful from family to advisors, to mentors, to then investors, um, so we had the right people kind of come in at the right time, but yeah, we, it seems like we've had like nine lives or whatever. So it's yeah. just no, it's pretty you. fun. I think it should be talked about more. Hey, I want to get it back into the traction. You said, Hey, we're able to find enough traction that got us into 500 startups. Talk to me about the early days. What was that first iteration of the app? And then what was enough traction to you guys? Yeah, no. So this was probably 2015. So I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what it, what it takes to get into 500 or these accelerators. Now I imagine the bars 
maybe higher or maybe not for social apps. But um, for us, like the, the first kind of like key unlock or key like, you know, proof of product market fit was just seeing uh, rap chats go viral on Twitter and Facebook because uh, like the really the first 10x feature we released was where you could share the songs you record on rap chat to other networks, which seems really really obvious uh but like we didn't have that before like before it was kind of a closed system it was like the og snapchat like you had to be on rap chat the other person had to be on rap chat it was a direct message that disappeared and there's something fun and nostalgic about that but then we realized people were making real songs and it's like oh like they want those to live for more than just like it, it doesn't want they don't want it to be ephemeral and uh when we kind of took that step and then enabled other people to listen to your song, even if you didn't have the app, we just kind of saw like 10 X growth. And like, anytime you have a growth and meaningful growth and, you know, whether it's MAUs or whether it's, you know, songs being shared and created like any of those metrics, as long as the chart looks like that or some version of that, um, I think you have a pretty good shot to make things happen, whether that's getting into an accelerator, whether that's, you know, raising a small round of funding Uh, at the time, you know, accelerator was, uh, getting into a top accelerator seemed like a great move for us, especially cause I was so green. I mean, I was like 21, I had no idea, you know, what the hell I was doing. Like, and I always thought like, you need to get out to Silicon Valley. If you want to make things happen to startups the same way you need to get out LA. And, you know, I don't, I definitely don't believe that anymore, but like, I, I remember thinking that. And so, um, yeah, it kind of worked out I'm from here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I loved it. Like I learned so much out there and it was, it was a huge, like, you know, life experience as well. Um, but yeah, I think really just showing, you know, obviously growth, like growth is, you know, that's kind of table stakes for a lot of these things and, and growth is really hard. It's like hard to grow month over month. Like, you know, this, like, it's not easy to sustain that. Um, so, you know, you got to do things like just building product to propel growth. If you don't have, like, we didn't have a marketing budget. So it was all product led growth at this time. So shipping features, like I just talked about, and then, um, yeah, the proof, I mean, that's, that's kind of the proof, right. And if people love the product and however you can explain that people love the product and that people love it at scale, um, you know, there's multiple ways to kind of explain that in an apps context. Maybe it's an app store rating. Maybe it's the app reviews themselves. Maybe it's retention and engagement. Um, it's however you kind of want to like present what you got. I think for us, like we just had growth out the gate. It was cool. It was different. We were the, kind of the first in this category to like do it like this and, um, do it like what? Like, like just do music, like, like give everyone a chance to make music, you know, mm -hmm. take a new approach to like music making the same way that like Instagram kind of turned everyone into a photographer or, you know, right. Twitter, a mini writer, medium a writer like we were kind of creating the everyday music creation tool for the for anyone and that was new like that was new at the time um so i think that was uh like people kind of latched on to the idea and how it was inevitable do you remember any of the earlier marketing campaigns you said you didn't have a marketing budget what were you guys doing to get those users because before you got a 10x of feature like people have yeah using the product right <laughs> i mean we seriously it was like posting on facebook it was like <laughs> I think I've heard some other people on this podcast say the same yes, thing. Sir. It was like, you don't really know. Like we just like got our friends on it. We posted on Facebook. I mean, I had no idea what ASO was or anything back in the day. Um, so it really was like truly organic in word of mouth. And I think 
when we released the feature that was obvious where you could share songs to other people and tweet them and tag rap chat that really like just started a word of mouth engine that still drives to this date, a ton of our growth. Um, and w- one thing I'll say, I'll, I'll notice through that is like campus to campus, like, it, you know, we had a lot of like kind of gro- viral growth on like high school pockets and college pockets. Um, you know, that's not necessarily like the majority of our growth today, I would say is on campus, but that was a big thing back then. Um, and yeah, that, that was it, man. It was just like building a great product and it kind of like ran itself. And it's been this viral growth flywheel that we can still count on today to bring in, you know, thousands of downloads on a daily basis. That's amazing. You know, I always recommend, and you can disagree with me, but I say, look, the more niche you can get, especially in the early days, the better it's going to be for your marketing, because then you can go after like, Hey, these type of people, where are they? So do you remember, like, I don't know if you agree with that, but like, do you remember who you went after in the early days where they like rappers, were they, you know, what kind of people were you kind of looking for in the early days? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree with it for sure. And I think like kind of taking that a different way, like the, yeah. the early days we were just optimizing products. Like we were optimizing everything down funnel. So it's like engagement and retention because it's not like we had a marketing budget, you know? So, and that was awesome because if you only get 50 users in a day and like 20 of them love the product, then it's just a lot easier to understand what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. now it's like we got a hundred million data points a month and it's, you know, you got to cut through the noise, but in the early days, like that's the beauty of it is that you can iterate so fast and get feedback so fast from a smaller sample. So, you know, for us, we kind of let the users come to us that were naturally coming to us through word of mouth. Then we figured out what they wanted and then we kind of built what they wanted. And, you know, it sounds simple, but that was effective. And even that, model still effective today, sometimes at scale. Um, but that, that was the thing. And then, um, I think over time, and now we're getting a little more advanced with, uh, user acquisition and testing some, th- some things out, but it really is just figuring out like who's coming to your app. Why, uh, what are their needs? Do your, does your product fit their needs? And then, you know, now we have a few different personas we focus on and we know which personas are super likely to retain or super likely to subscribe or create more music. And then from there, you just try and go get more of those people. Right. Um, so now it's a lot more of, uh, a full scale engine I'd say, but in the early days is just trying to figure out like why people, and we could do that through just talking to them or listening to the, the songs they post or like literally looking at the tweets they post like, Oh, I found this app today. My friend sent me this song and it's like, I could bucket that as a certain type of user. And then right. I'd find someone post a rap chat on SoundCloud. It's like, I could bucket that as like a hardcore, like music maker. So mm-hmm. yeah. Let's get into a little bit about the product market fit. I know you kind of alluded to this in the interview on the business of apps. And that's the last time I'll mention them, but like, <laughs> I'll <laughs> link that podcast, article. <laughs> it's a great article, actually. I'll link it up into the show notes, but you, you mentioned that you actually iterated upon that. So it was part of market fit. It was written by the superhuman CEO. I love reportive. He actually made reportive too. Yeah. Sold it to LinkedIn. Now he started superhuman, the, the email client, but talk to me about how you iterated on top of that. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I think, I mean, it's not too like scientific what we did. We just like read the article. We loved it. Um, I thought it was a fresh perspective because like for years, I think a lot of people get stuck in the, in the cycle of trying to figure out how good their 
numbers are or how good my app is or how much product market fit I have. And, you know, it kind of gets exasperated by, as you talk to investors and do fundraising, it's like, you know, people are giving you benchmarks. Are you good? Are you above those or below those? So, um, you know, I read every retention engagement metrics article out there and, uh, you know, we have, we're, we love data and we have a lot of metrics, but this was just fresh because it kind of went back to that day one mentality of like, no, actually like figure out like what people want in your product and why they're there. And I like the qualitative nature of it. So it's like a good mix of there's the quantitative question, which is like how disappointed and, you know, that's kind of their proxy for product market fit. And, you know, we were above, above that number and we still use that number and I got we do numbers, it every quarter. Seth. I'll, I'll chime <laughs> in here. So it's 40%. Yeah. If for, at least yep. it was quoted by Sean Ellis and yep. he, he's been on this podcast as well, but it's like, ask people like, how disappointed would you be if you did not have this product? And if they're like extremely, you want to be at 40% extremely disappointed, I believe, but that's, that's sort of the numbers that he was gauging off of that too. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, that's cool. Right. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's one way to just quickly give a, a pulse check and, um, you know, like I said, so we, we run it every quarter, sometimes more. And that gives us a quantitative way to say like, oh, we're improving our product market fit or not. But honestly, and that's great. But the more important thing, the more, more interesting thing for us was the qualitative feedback we were getting. So we would run it and we'd do like 5,000 users and they'd literally tell us like what the product's missing mm. or what they love most about the product. And then we'd ask a persona divining question. So I think that was something, um, that, you know, they explained in that process, if you go through the whole article or right. there's another like Coda live doc, they explain how to like kind of manually go persona tag those users. But for us, we just added a couple extra questions that was literally like, you know, what are you here to do? And then we gave them like five different options or what best describes you? Are you yeah. an aspiring artist or are you a casual artist that just wants to have fun? And so that gave us a chance to like slice and dice the data and the feedback. And then we were able to help that fuel our roadmap. Right. So then we could figure out, Oh, like, you know, 30% of the people that responded are aspiring artists and they really want these features. Like this came up the most. Um, so I, I'll try not to get into too much details there, but it's, it's a great framework and like any good framework you find online, like we just kind of tweaked some of the questions sure. and made it work for us. And for us, like the goals of that were to figure out what people wanted, why people were here and what types of people were here and you know what they're most disappointed by as another example what, what just and then that would help fuel the roadmap for the next iterations well if you're too lazy to read it here are the questions that we will ask <laughs> it was how would you feel if you could no longer use superhuman a very disappointed somewhat disappointed b and then c not disappointed so just three options and you want 40 percent to be very disappointed and what type of people do you think would most benefit was the benefit you receive and then how can we improve the app and what i really love about what you guys do too and this is the, i mean how long ago do you think that was seth because you guys still like i love your onboarding oh there you place. go see we yeah. even put in our onboarding that's new yeah. too like that's probably six I, I don't know three to six months but that inspired that onboarding screen and now you can see as you give us or as you tell us we can help tailor a better experience uh we can help figure out how we're doing it's i love i recommend that all the time too yeah. And the, the onboarding experience says, you know, first and foremost, I love it when a brand 
or an app has some personality. So you're like, Hey, what's your <laughs> rap name? Right. And then yeah. you have the rap generator names of mine. I put Stevie just to be more cool, but clout Stevie, the blessed. <laughs> so that's, oh, yeah, that's right? not bad. Yeah, that's not bad at all. So it. it says what describes you. And then it goes into questions. I want to build a music career. Music is my hobby. I want to make my first song. I'm here to have fun. And then it sort of informs you like, and I think you can use that Intel be like, okay, well, For let's, sure. and what other people have used in the past, they, they use that answer to be like, Hey, they put it in the pricing page. So they kind of like use that data to then yep. put it in the pricing page as well. So good stuff. We're not that advanced yet, but we're, we're, we're definitely interested in like, I mean, step one is just even giving them a more tailored experience. So if you're an aspiring artist, you probably like are ready to make music right away. Or if you're a casual artist, you might want to like, you know, find your friends first and then send them a song. So, you know, do you guys use that? Is it just Intel right now? Or are you taking me a different place based on the answer I give you like a different place within the, the app? It's a little bit of both. Okay. Um, yeah. So it'll also like inform like certain things, like what type of, um, you know, messaging we do in the next week. So, you know, it might inform like the, the, e the welcome email. It might inform the like, you know, day seven push notification or the day three, it might inform like, you know, yeah, it, it, it does. It's a little bit of both, but we're still working on building out like what we would think of them as just journeys per persona. Um, and that's, that's always a work in progress. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Weird that I find this very, very interesting. No, you know, no, no. You're good. Very raspy and sexy. <laughs> I was like, Ooh. no, <laughs> you're good. I mean, it's, it's a super fun, uh, concept because it's the thing in the early days, like everyone, you know, there's probably too much data and like, there's a lot of noise, but every download is not the same, even though it's a one on whatever dashboard, you know, right. like there's different types of people with different types of aspirations. Maybe not if you're like a utility app and you pay for 90% of your downloads and you're very good about knowing where those are. But when we're getting, when you get a lot of organic, um, it's good to just kind of keep a pulse because, you know, sometimes it changes. Like two yeah. years ago, we might've had less aspiring artists than we have today. Mm. And if you don't stay on top of that, then you're building for a segment that's not your best segment, you know? And I know Raul Rent mentioned this in the, the article, but do you feel like there's too small of an audience? Like, is it enough that let's say I have, I just started out and I have a few hundred people on my email list. Is that enough to get going? What do you think, Seth? I think for sure. Question okay. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I would do it with 10 people, like, uh, especially in the <laughs> early it. days, like you, yes. you got to figure out what's up, you know, and 10 people's even better because then you can like literally learn way more about them and you know, maybe buy them a coffee or like get to know, like, why not? You know, it's, uh, that's the advantage of the early days of building. Uh, I think you're like way closer to the user and it's important. Like this was just, the other thing I loved about it is it kind of brought that mentality back to us. Like we actually ran it again. And then my COO had, he sent out an email and gave everybody 300 responses to go through like everybody on the team, whether you're an engineer, whether you're like on the marketing squad, uh, whether it's you're, you're me or the CEO, we all went through these and it's like, brings you back to like, you know, user centric and customer first building, um, because it's easy to get lost in the sauce as you scale over time. Yeah. I love it. I'm going to do this too. Actually. I like it. I like it. Let me know. To, Let me know. I was talking to a client and I was like, Hey, we have to do this. And then, you know, after doing research for this interview, I was 
listening you talk about it, I was like, oh shit, I'm going to check this out. So I sent him the, and he was like, no, it's, I don't have enough users. And I was like, dude, you, I don't care if you have 10, like I'm, I'm, I'm of your mindset. I'm like, I don't care if you have 10, get on the phone with him, talk to him. Like that's where yeah. you're going to learn all this stuff. Cause his problem is we're getting downloads, but we're not getting people to sign up for the app. And it's like, dude, ask them. And he's like, we don't yeah. have the emails. Well, of the emails, they're not like, when they do sign up, they're not doing X, Y, and Z. And it's like, ask them why then like, let's make it yeah. easier. And so like, there's always, okay. Opinions. Tactical. Yeah. Go, Sorry. go for it. No, no, I was going to say ta tactical pro tip on that because um, I think for a while, like you got to have the tech stack to support it. Um, like, and it's not hard. And so before, like, like you're saying emails, like emails are kind of a pain in the ass to run this through, especially if you don't have them, if you know, they're not validated, if people don't, your segment doesn't read emails. So for us, we use Instabug, uh, for our bug tracking Love and it. they have a great survey tool, which is a game changer. So we can literally turn it on and get 5,000 responses in like a day and turn it off because the, the response rates are so high and it's so easy for the users. So I know there's a couple other ones out there, but um, yeah, there's a plug for Instabug. It's in like beta. I'm like, this is your best feature, even though you're a bug reporting tool. But <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I think if you, have, if you have something like that, it's even easier, right? Like it's so much easier. Like you don't have to do the manual like email list to Google Sheets to Zapier this and whatever like it, do something like that dude i mean i think i feel like it's these small little things like i have an online chat thing on my website but it gives me so much intel yes i'm not going to get ping all the time but it comes to my phone and i get so some people are like hey blah blah, blah spam but like sometimes yeah. you get some really great insight like hey does this come with this so like even those little things like instabug or some chat feature i think instabug has some chat feature possibly yeah they do yeah, we probably. we don't have it on but the, yeah they do yeah. so those are great things all right anything else that I miss because I, I love this topic from product market um, that you want to hit on. No, I mean, obviously I'm a big proponent of it. Uh, we love it. Uh, it helps, it helps drive a roadmap. So I would, I would just try it and, and make it your own like read the article. And then like, if you don't like a couple questions, tweak it or whatever. Yeah. You can use type form and that's what he used. All right. Exactly. I want to get into some of the fundraising part because yep. I'm, I'm thinking about the people that I've worked with personally who are, who are college students like yourself yeah. ago. What do you, what were the, the questions? How were the questions different from your first round of fundraising to the second round? So what were the questions like in the first round? And then did those questions change in the second round? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a mixed bag. Like, yeah, they did because I think the, the market changed. Like, so I'll give an example. Like in the first round, a lot of it was like, well, and it's just, it's different, right? Like seed round versus like your next rounds are different types of investors looking for different things. So in the first round, like traction might not be as important as the team or, you know, traction might not be as important as just the sheer idea and the market opportunity. Like it's a little more philosophical, I'd say for the first investment and especially like even getting the accelerator. It's like, yeah, we had traction in a product, but you're kind of investing in like the vision. You're investing in me and my team. Um, and that they index, I, I think the investors definitely index a little higher on that stuff. And then over time, as you start to raise more money and you're just around longer, they obviously care about the data way more, or they care about like, uh, you know, how's the, how's the team, uh, developed or how's the product developed? Like, where are you at in the market? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that's just kind of general, you know, fundraising differences between rounds. Um, like you need a lot more proof, the more money you raise. Um, and then 
for us specifically, it's interesting because now people with the creator economy um, and there being a lot of content shared around that and a lot of, you know, um, just buzz around this thing called a creator economy. I mean, we've been talking about this before. It was a thing. Like we, we, we have, you know, we've been explaining it, but investors didn't have something to like latch onto. So now it's a thing that people kind of can help bucket us as like a music creator economy company. And I think that does help. It, it's just like a little easier to understand because we do a lot and we're in music and tech, which music tech is not that sexy uh, historically for investment. Um, and we also have a social component. So it's hard to kind of bucket us into one thing, whether we're a creator tool or social network. Um, but yeah, just the sheer fact that the creator economy is the thing. And, you know, generally you're seeing billion dollar companies be created around like UGC platforms, uh, mm -hmm. whether it's like TikTok or Substack or, you know, any of these that enable anyone to create, we're doing that for music. So there's a lot more like uh, mental models we can provide investors and, and vice versa. So I think that's been really helpful. And um, yeah, but it's always a grind. I mean, it's just like, I talk to anyone, fundraising is always a grind. Um, and you just got to find the right partners that believe in, you know, your mission. And, and thankfully we have, we have some, some great investors. That seems to be the general consensus is find the right investors that believe in your vision. I mean, it's not like you're going to get yes, you're going to get a lot more no's and you will get yeses. But if you find the right ones that can help with your overall vision, then it's perfectly aligned. You got it. Okay. I don't know if you want to add anything. All right. So for the first time, for the founder out there who wants to raise that first round, what advice would you give them? Like, hey, focus on this particular metric. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd almost be like the anti-advice guy because there's so much advice out there. And you talk to like five to 10, even experienced billionaires <laughs> or- I'll be yeah. the one that outputs all of this. I'll be the one that just says, okay, <laughs> what's the input like? I'm getting all this data points. Yeah. I'm like the, yeah. the, the type form, you know what I mean? I'm yeah, type yeah. Form right now. <laughs> no, I, I really think like it's important to like, you'll get a lot of advice, but it's important to like form your own like philosophy and belief about the company. So it's early, it's easy early on to be susceptible when investors are like, you should be building this instead of what you're building or your metrics should like, look like this you should focus on this metric instead of this metric look you can take inspiration from everywhere you can take inspiration from the product market fit engine but ultimately you have to decide what works for like your company right so like uh, a retention number that works for twitter might not work for your your company if you if you have a totally different business model um so i think yeah it's it's kind of just like paving your own there's a lot of tactical stuff obviously uh which i, I can share just a quick laundry list of that but just the first point is like you know pave your own way and get a lot of conviction and confidence in like why you're going to be a billion dollar company um, or just why you're going to be a great company maybe you don't even want to think in in that definite terms and and why you need the capital i think a lot of people think they need investment when they don't and fundraising is a it's a bitch so like you got to understand that before you get into it it's not easy even though there's an article in TechCrunch every day um so i think like be really honest. Like, do you want to build a business where you make whatever uh, a really great living and you don't have investors? Like there's totally different alternatives out there. Um, and you know, things I would think about, uh, for sure when it comes to just how subscription apps, um, can unlock great revenue streams and all that. And there's tools that will finance that. So anyways, I'll, I'll shut that book, but like 
the thing with tactic like tactically in fundraising if you do go out like there's just obvious things like you know you want to get your like network in order you want to know who your top advisors and champions and mentors that can connect you to investors or other founders um you want to have a, a pitch deck in order if you just google like 10 things you need like you just have the basics like everything ready to go so you look legit and you want to have the traction i think like it's important to have like a good and that traction might not necessarily be, you know, whatever hundred thousand MAUs or something. It might be like we have a product adopted by one hospital. If you're, you know, I don't know, whatever the yeah, like some that. proof of traction, and then and then just run the process. And I would like definitely based on my experiences, based on a lot of experience, you want to run uh, a tight process. You want to talk to a lot of different investors. You want to drive, um, you know, FOMO. You want to, you know, get one investor to say yes. And then you go to another investor and say, Hey, we, we have this investor in, we have, you know, this other investor in, are you in? And just like, try and take control of it. Cause like, as soon as like, like you should be the one in charge. And if you don't, I've found like, when I feel in charge is when we actually like get the shit done. Right. Mm -hmm. And when I feel like I'm running the process and like, I'm, I'm able to organize the round together and organize the right investors together. Like I know, I know shit's moving. I know we're going to get done, but there are times when you don't feel control and then it's like, everyone's kind of at a standstill. Um, and that's when you just got to keep moving and you really only need like one good investor. And then the rest is, is pretty easy. Um, relatively. So there's just some random stuff. No, I love that. I, I did that in the early days of the podcast. I was reaching out to a few people and they were just saying, no, it's too small back then. And then my first big one, I think I got like, Paul Haddad, who created Tweetbot, and I got him to say yes. And I was going after Dan Council, who created Clear, and then I think it's Clear Mac. I forget what its company's called. But early on, I was like, "Hey, Paul, say yes. You want to say yes?" And Dan was like, "All right, fine. I'll come on." Because he was like kind of on the fence on it. Yeah. And then once I got the co-founder Shazam, like the first CEO, everything was just like, you know, it became easy. I was like, "Hey, you want to join this coveted list of entrepreneurs? Yes or no?" And then, like you said, I was like, "I don't care if you say no." You know what I mean? Right. Like peace. There's lots of entrepreneurs I could talk to. Once you feel like that, that's yeah. when really the dynamic changes and it's, it's hard. I mean, your first round, it's like so hard to get to that mindset, but you kind of just got to like do it. And then, like you said, like, Hey, I just need to, I need an answer. Like, you know, even like something simple like that, like a lot of entrepreneurs are scared to like kind of push a little urgency because they feel like they're being pushy, but it's not, it's just honest. It's like, Hey, I'm like, this round's closing. We have other people in line. I'm talking to other people. Like I need to know kind of where you stand. And yeah, as long as you're just honest, like, and you don't even got to like bullshit, like you'll get the right people involved if, you know, everything else checks out. All right. You said, you mentioned this quickly, the tools, there are tools out there for subscription apps. What are you talking about? What kind of tools are out there? So what I was you? specifically return, referring to is like, if you like Bravo and some of these uh, like microfinancing solutions mm -hmm. where you can connect your like app store connect account and they will literally advance you cash based on your like um, subscription revenue. So there's Bravo, there's a couple other ones and it's really helpful for like cash flow If you know, you don't have, yeah. If you don't have 12 months of uh, runway in the bank, Right. Like it's really helpful to get that cash up front, put it to use. And, uh, you know, obviously you got to have kind of a profitable, good unit economics to really capitalize on that. But 
I say all that because like there is a world where like let's say you create a really great like I don't even know like pet training app or something and <laughs> you know you you have 50 people come in and your unit economics check out it's like you're making more money than you're spending on acquiring users and everything else looks good engagement retention but like and you really just need capital and you might just the, the first thought is like let me go raise a venture round but that could you know that could distract you from building that could take a lot of time that could take a lot of energy in a situation like that you could really leverage a platform like bravo or maybe even like there's other ways but you just need capital. You have an engine, right? And you don't need to spend a bunch of time trying to raise like a typical venture round. And, and if you want to just build a sustainable business, like that's it, you know, it's like how banks give loans back in the day. And still, uh, venture is definitely not the only route to scale. If you have good, like base economics, in, in my opinion, although it's a, it's super helpful and we're thankful and we're on, you know, we're a venture backed company and we, we think it's going to help us get to that billion dollar mark. But that's not necessarily a path for everyone, for sure. I love it. Hey, Seth, I'll end with this. You, you kind of said, hey, you know, you're doing a lot of marketing stuff now. Anything that you learned from right now, what's working from a marketing perspective for you? Yeah, so of course, we decided to uh, start experimenting paid acquisition and like what seems to be the worst time in history to do that. But uh, no, I mean, honestly, like mainly because I was 14, right? Or is there something? Yeah, yeah, else? yeah, yeah, exactly. No, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, but it's okay because it's not like we had crazy uh, operations before. So we're kind of used to just like, you know, more simple. Okay. We spend this, we try this, and this is what we see on the back end. You know, we, we didn't have like fancy attribution before or anything. Um so anyways, yeah, we're, we're experimenting on Facebook and TikTok uh, from a paid perspective. And that's still a small percentage of the users we bring in. Most of our users are coming from organic channels. So people sharing content online, people inviting their friends. Um, ASO still is in the mix. Uh, and that's been fun to iterate on. Uh, a lot of it I, I learned from this podcast and, and other sources. So huge okay, shouts thanks. to you on that. Um, and... Yeah, we're having fun. Like, it, I mean, we still, even in post iOS 14, we still feel uh, really good about a lot of our campaigns and ad sets. And um, we're still kind of ramping up like how we structure, you know, how much creative we're turning out. We're trying to kind of create our own system there. Um, but TikTok is interesting. I, I, I'm sure you've heard that from everyone. Yes. Uh, it's a huge opportunity. We think YouTube's a huge <laughs> channel we want to further invest in that we, we really haven't too much yet. Um, so that's, uh, you know, that's a big platform for the everyday artists because they're going there to like, listen to music, to find other artists, to learn from other artists. So I think we have a lot of opportunity there. Um, uh, so yeah. And then something we're planning on investing a lot more in is like, just kind of like a new age of content marketing. So we think of it like, like as an example, we launched our own podcast where we're interviewing artists. It's called Rap Chat Sessions. And our community leader literally interviews some of our uh, top artists on the platform. It's really dope, right? And so we want to spin out like things like that um, because I think it's kind of, it's good for the community. You know, it's good to get content out on the interwebs and expand our presence online. And it's going to drive the types of users uh, we really think we can help out to our platform. And so how do we take that a step further? Like, I think in a year, it'd be sick to have, you know, a lot of different 
music shows, uh, YouTube shows, uh, even more podcasts, you know, maybe different types of educational courses or whatever. I, I think like this just, it's really interesting opportunity to like invest in your own content that you own. And you're not necessarily running that through an ads engine. You're kind of like, it's on your own channels. And over time you can build up, you know, social capital that way. Yeah. I love how there's just like, you know, I've talked to a couple of different people on, on the podcast where they're utilizing SEO to drive app traffic. Like it's all this intermingling of web and mobile coming together. I love it, Seth, like really great strategy there. Yeah. And there's actually a, uh, I, I can try and dig it up, but there's a, there's a couple of good articles on like how Pinterest and Quora and these big, like when you have UGC, which we do, um, you have an opportunity to like really structure it properly. So like you said, SEO can become a really big driver over time. I mean, Yelp, right? Like, or yeah, some of these- a great example. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and we haven't even scratched that surface. Like we haven't even scratched that or invested in that. And I think it's, it is a massive opportunity. Um, so there's some good, uh, I can't even remember. I think it was like Casey Winters or, or one of those guys like wrote about like content loops as, as a growth engine, depending on your business. I love it, man. Anything I missed that you want to make sure we cover? Before nah, the- man. I mean, I think, I, I think we're good. I, yeah, I you know, so a lot of, a lot of good stuff. And um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of, of learning and sharing knowledge. And again, love this podcast and all the other people that are just trying stuff, learning stuff and, and, and obviously building cool shit. So you'll have to come back on, man. Well, Seth, yeah. this has been absolutely amazing, but let's go to the big finish. Besides Rap Chat, give us another <laughs> app that we should definitely check out. Uh, well, Spotify is probably a cop-out because everyone has Spotify or Apple Music. Um, but that's that's one of my favorites. Same with Twitter. Uh, I don't have like a cool like niche app that I'm... Okay, I'll give one shout out here. Opal is actually really dope. So O-P-A-L. And it's... Uh, I'm pretty cool with the founder, but like, it's the whole idea is that you can like shut off other apps for like a, a focus period of time. So, you know, basically it's like a mental health app, uh, but it is, it's like, it'll literally restrict you from like going to Twitter or going to Facebook or going to Instagram. And you can be like, Hey, uh, I want to, I want to shut down for an hour and work, or I want to shut down for an hour and like, you know, have dinner with my family, like whatever it is. And, uh, they got a, they just got like a, it's super well-designed and they got like a funny little like character as their, you know, logo and uh, Opal. O-P-A-L, right? Yeah. O-P-A-L. Yeah. I've seen this one. That one's sick. And then uh, the other one is auto sleep, which is, which is really cool. It like automatically tracks your sleep and then has all these like sick graphs and uh, I don't know if it's healthy or not to like wake up and be like, Oh, how'd I sleep? And then you just, if it says you didn't sleep well, you feel like shit the rest of the day. So it's probably not. Dude, I like, do that all the freaking time. I, I can't help it though. It's like, I have this I'm, ring. I have the, what yeah. is this called? What is that called? I forgot what the, the aura called. ring. Yeah. Aura ring. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I have the aura ring. That's what I open all the time. I'm just like, how do I sleep? All right. Okay, cool. I, I know. I, it, it's, it's like, a, I, I'm kind of addicted to like knowing that now, yeah, you know, too. it's like a, it's a habit. So the first app I open, man, <laughs> what's, a lesson, what's a lesson that could be business or personal that took you the longest to learn? I feel like I've like kind of threaded this throughout, uh, this convo, but just like building your own path, like building your own philosophy. It's like, and that's both personal and life. 
or personal and business. Sorry. Like it's, um, it's easy when you don't like you're really green and like, let's say starting a business to just read every business book and like take everything everyone tells you as gospel or listen to a ton of podcasts. And like, and then you, you just try and do what other people have done because you know, our brains kind of work like that. But, um, over time you just, yeah, I've just come to realize, like, I take a lot of inspiration. I read a lot. I love to learn. I listen to all the stuff and I still, you know, read business books here and there. Uh, not definitely not as much as I used to, but like, me too, ultimately dude. just trying to like sit down and like write your own thoughts <laughs> you know it's like kind of hard to do in today's world but it's like it, okay why does our app need to exist why do people love it and like just or if, if you get even deeper like why do i exist like whatever it is yeah. like just kind of creating your own like you know worldview and philosophy i think uh that's been a big unlock for me uh because you know even though there's whatever philosophies, religious business, religions, business models, all this that's out there. That's like, you know, really defined, uh, you do have the opportunity to kind of like take inspiration or make some of that your own. And, um, yeah, I just try and tell people like carve your own path and go your own way. It's a lot more fun and probably fulfilling. That's what I found for at least me personally. I love it. I'll, I'll share my thing. I, I have a mastermind that I'm in and one of the guys was like, Hey, you know, like, I feel like I'm always in the grind. I'm always in the grind. And in this mastermind, I'm always feel like I'm the little guy. I'm like, holy cow, you guys' revenues are insane. And so he's like, you know, my my wife and kids just went to the zoo and I'm here just grinding because I feel like I just have to keep grinding. I'm like, okay, this is cool then. I'm glad you said that because I'm exactly the opposite of you. And this goes into your philosophy. I'm like, I look at you guys. I'm like, you guys are doing so well. But then I would have went to the zoo. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, what I, mean? I would have went to the zoo. I would have been just chill. Like, I'll, I'll make it up later. But I would have went to the zoo. And that's, it's just like, look, Yes, don't just look at the top line numbers. Don't just look at somebody's lifestyle or the revenue numbers. Think about what the like happiness level is. And I'm just like, look, I'm happy. You know, I don't need to constantly grow because everybody has a mentality of like, grow, grow, grow. You gotta hit me. Yeah, you gotta grow exactly. more. Fifty percent, twenty, thirty percent. For just sure, like, dude. I'm happy. Like, you know what? Yeah. I'm good living. Go Let's to go. the zoo. Go to the zoo. That's go to the, the zoo. That's the um, philosophy. That's it, man. That's it. The app is called Rap Chat. If you do anything, if you're not even a music maker, go download the app. Check out the welcome flow. It is amazing. It has all the best practices that I've been talking about. So hopefully it just shows me, Seth, that I'm, I know a little bit that I'm right on the right <laughs> path, but really good stuff there. I just love the whole entire process and the app is well done. Or you can go to rapchat.me if you want to check out the, the website as well. Seth, if the audience wants to connect with you anyway, do you want to send them anywhere else? Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm on Twitter, uh, Seth Mills, 21, um, Mills with an S M I L L S. Uh, my email is Seth at rapchat.me. Feel free to shoot me a note. I'm like, I think I have it in my, uh, Twitter bio. Like it's, uh, always an open door and love to help other people and chop it up and, and learn. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find and no, just thanks for having me on. It's, uh, super dope. So what's your rapper name? <laughs> Seth Mills. I'm I'm a uh, Chef cool. Mills. Chef, Chef Mills. Mills right now. <laughs> I like but it. I've had to uh I kind of operate in the shadows now. Like I I only rap behind closed doors, so it's not <laughs> a it's not a public thing anymore. It's for the best of the company. <laughs> Seth, thank you so much, man. There's so yeah. much great info on there. Thank you so much for coming on and doing this. Yeah, appreciate it, man. We'll talk soon. Thank you all for listening. I'll see you on yep. the next chat. Want to increase your downloads and revenue? Check out our new ASO Master Service where we help you with ASO, 
optimizing your revenue, and will even manage your Apple search ads and Google ads. Learn more at asomasters.com. Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.